Joining me on the show today is actor Jack Parry Jones. Jack is best known for starring in Argyll, The Crown, Moondogs and Bang on S4C. Myself and Jack had a great discussion about many things, including what it's like to be Welsh, life on the Argyll set and how the role as the teacher in The Crown had a personal connection to Jack. This is another brilliant episode with deep, authentic conversation, one that's not to be missed. To do any sort of performance thing, I think I think you've got to have a bit of a screw loose. Um, but it's got to be a fun screw. It can't be a fucking. You can't be mentally deranged. And like you, you still get people. Like I still, I still get people saying, "Oh, so you know, when 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 we're going to see one EastEnders then?" Like, never. Yeah. <laughs> when have they? When have they ever wanted a Welshman? You know. Um, <laughs> it's a really, it's a really odd thing. It's um, I think that so I'd like you know I've had successes and stuff stuff like that, which I think have kind of shown that this is a legitimate career. But then I think some people still don't fully believe that it is, you know. This. It's the Schofield Stories Podcast, hosted by me, Calm Schofield. Sensational guests join me on the show to share their stories, speaking about challenges, hardships, and successes. We are unmasking mental health purely by talking. You're listening to the Schofield Stories? Let's get started. Thank you for joining me and welcome to the show, Jack. Thank you very much for having me. So the first thing that I think we should talk about, given the date, is your role in The Crown as a teacher, as obviously the 21st of October is when we celebrate or remember the tragedy that happened in Aberfan. Yes. Um, Yeah, so I filmed that like two years ago, but then it was released last year. Um, but it was just the most amazing experience, like from kind of finding out that I'd got the job because I I was chasing my agent and I was chasing like so many people to try and find find out about it and get it and felt that it went good in the audition room. Um, and then hadn't heard for a while. And so I spoke to my agent. She was like, it's probably a no, but I'll find out. And I can just remember just being like absolutely devastated to then being elated that I'd got it. Um, because it's obviously it's hometown. Um, yeah. I grew up in Troy de Rue, which is like a stone's throw away from our, yeah, from our well, land. Next so, door. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like, you, you, know, you know, you know, the stories and like, you know, you grow up with that stuff and, you know, my nan and my grandfather have told me their experiences of it, of like, you know, I think my my great-grandfather went down to help dig people out and stuff, and it was just like, just you feel like you've got such a connection to it because you know so much about it. Um, and it's our town, you know? So I, I, I really, really wanted to be a part of it. And when... I showed up on set. I was doing I was doing a play at the time, um, so I had to leave. They they were in the middle of their uh, their tech week, which was really important. But I needed to go and film, um, and I was there for a couple of days, and everyone everyone was so nice and like so respectful of the work. And uh, Benjamin Caron, the um, director, was just just the most amazing guy because he was he was trying to make sure that it was the right environment so that we could film you know and keep everything uh as it should be um and he it was just like we we filmed we filmed the scenes and there was like there was a couple of boys uh because obviously like they say don't don't film with kids and don't film with like you know animals and stuff stuff like that just don't work with them because they're absolute nightmares um it was these two boys that were just like mugging me off in the middle of my take so they'd come up and they'd be like pulling faces at me and i was just thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna kill someone 
<laughs> okay, this is this is not what I wanted this experience to be. And like I can remember chatting to to the director about it, and he just went and had had a word with them. Um, and it was sorted. It was absolutely straight from then from then on. But I thought that yeah, stop stop me from blowing my lid, um, yeah. which is always good. Um, but yeah, once we we finished filming and like but seeing the kids kind of like rush under the desks seeing that in real time and imagining what that would have been like that really that really got got to me and like made the hair stand up on on the back back of my neck um so it made it quite an easy job to do because i felt i felt connected to it in every single way it was it was amazing it was absolutely amazing um and then like you know you see that they've got like the budget on on these things they had like this massive like rain machine and like all all this stuff on on a crane and you just i couldn't believe the scale of it i've never worked on anything that big before it's crazy absolutely crazy yeah it really is and i wanted to start with that as obviously it's the third of november we're recording this so it was only two weeks ago that my social media feed was full of the remembrance for the Aberfan tragedy is again growing up in a valley's town that's something I learned about in school I learned about growing up so to yeah. actually see it you know like you say it does make your hairs on your neck stand up so I can only imagine yeah. what it was like to actually play a part in that yeah well like showing it to I didn't watch it with my mother because I was filming bang but my grandparents came down to see me at my hotel in Talbot when I was filming and I put it on my laptop for them because I kept it secret from from them because they can't keep they can't keep a secret so it's yeah. just like I'm not <laughs> gonna tell you yet um but then coming down and watching it on my laptop and seeing their reaction to it was like that that was that was amazing and I don't think I've ever seen them react to anything I've done like that before so it was yeah and I always w- wake up on that day like because you know you know the day and it's just like I wake up and I always read about it and I think you just take a moment to just think think about it it's just uh, yeah ah fucking horrible and then also you just keep seeing it as well like the government kind of passes blame like you've seen it with Grenfell as well yeah in our age and it's just like it keeps happening and like you know you're, you're going to see it with this pandemic as well like like it's just going to keep happening to working class people um that were kind of passed over um and not given you know not given our fair due um but yeah yeah (laughs) sorry it's just one it's just one of those things isn't it even talking about it i get a bit yeah a bit emotional about it um but they asked me to do last 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 year they asked me to do um an interview on i think it was like bbc bbc radio or some something like like that they wanted me to do a radio interview to talk about the crown and i just i'm just one of those people that when it comes to that stuff if i'm if i'm like relaxed i can talk about it but at that point i just really wasn't relaxed because yeah. like I was filming and uh, I just lost a family member that was really close to me and it was just and it was just one of those things I was just like I I didn't I didn't feel that I could talk about it intelligently or with any sort of um I didn't I didn't feel that I had the right to talk about it um because all I've done is film it and hear the stories. I think the really should be about the people that were actually there and all that stuff, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, that's our little, you know, um, sentimental 10 minutes over with. Yeah. And now let's yeah. talk more about you. That's right. I went deep there. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 that's the best kind. So was acting something you always wanted to do? Looking back, probably, yeah. Because it was, it was, it was always something like I do. I kind of like put on shows for my family in the, in the, the living room, and it was usually me trying to like 
dance like Gene Kelly, um, which was just basically me moving my feet really fast and not really doing anything. My mother thought that I was rhythmless until about 18. Um, when luckily I actually learned how, how to dance, but it was like, I'd always kind of like, cause I'm an only child as well. I, I would kind of make up little worlds for myself and like, yeah, but acting was never, I never thought of it as a career. Right. And then it got to like my GCSEs and my mother was pushing me. I've got a pushy mother. You'll like, probably the more I talk, you'll learn that. But I love her. Um, <laughs> um, and she's going to listen to this as well. She'd be like, ah, bastard. Um, but she she was pushing me to do three languages because uh, I went to a Welsh speaking primary school and then moved to an English speaking school. And it was just, she was like, you're obviously good at languages and it's like no I've just grown up speaking Welsh so yeah. I know Welsh um but what happened was that my Spanish teacher got pregnant yeah which meant Spanish was off the table and I had this yeah. this option that I just needed to pick for my, GC, for my GCSE so I, I went into the went into my head of years office and she had like a piece of paper in front in front of me with like all of these classes on them and I saw drama and I just ticked it and I said my cousin said it's a laugh I walked yeah. out and then that's how I kind of became an actor. Yeah. Uh, so um, when you, you were, it was starting to study drama, was there a time that you sort of thought, oh, maybe I, I want to actually do this more than just for a laugh, as you said? Um, probably not for my first year of doing it. I thought, I thought it was a DOS. I thought it was just a bit of a DOS and like, you know, I'd... I went and did work experience at Theatre Brecheniog in Brecon and just, again, just messed about and just walked around the theatre. Like, we had, like, those little clickers where you could count people, like they oh, had yeah. them for the Brecon Jazz fe- fe- Festival. Um, and we just kind of, like, were having races to see who could, like, do that. I learned nothing in, in that week, and that was no one's fault except my own. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my God, that's so bad. Um <laughs> But yeah, I just thought it was a bit of a DOS and like I'd show up to drama classes and like we just improv stuff. And like I, the, the most that I wanted to do with it was that I wanted to kind of like write kind of sketch comedy and do that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, but then it just turned into, my mother came to see me. We, we'd, we'd gone to see a production of Blood Brothers, oh, yeah. which I really loved. And it's amazing. It's an amazing show. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just like, absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I've always loved going to like West End shows. Like I, uh, the first one I saw was Star- Starlight Express. They're like skating around you. I haven't listened to it since, so I don't even know what it's like, but that was when I was like seven yeah. and just watching people skate skate around me and seeing like the costumes and all, and all that stuff. I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is a little bit of me. I love it. Um, but yeah, we went to watch Blood Brothers and that then turned into us doing like a kind of Willie Russell um, who wrote Blood Brothers. We did this kind of Willie Russell night for my GCSE performance. And my mother came to watch it. And after my mother had complained to the school about me doing drama, she called her a non-subject. She'd, um, she'd like, ah, oh, she blasted the teachers for allowing me to, to do it. Um, and they said that it would do my confidence good. And then she came to watch that performance and she was like, all right, okay. And then from then on, it was just like, she started pushing me to do it more and more. So then I had to go and join. And like, I, I knew that I really loved it by that point, yeah. but it was then my mother was starting to push me to be, to do more of it. And like, she took me, she took me to do, um, to a youth group in, Abaday, which is just over over the valley, yeah. and I can remember showing up to the. It was an audition for Lemes. It was like a youth production of Lemes, and my cousin was one of the. My cousin Zoe was one of the people that was like, auditioning us, and she 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 was one of the tutors there. And I showed up hangover. This is me at six, sixteen now. I showed yeah. up hangover. I was just looking around at all like these kind of drama kids who were like all quite lovely and like you know and I was just like I 
fucking hate this. Just looking at him with absolute hatred in my eyes. And then I got on stage. <laughs> I got on stage and because I was hungover and I'd learned the song that day. Um, I was going for Tanadje, the pub landlord. Oh, yeah. I started, the guy start, started playing and it was like, dun, 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 dun. And then I came out with my first line, which was, welcome, monsieur, that's wrong. And I pointed at the guy on piano, yeah. going, that's wrong. And I didn't mean for like, I didn't mean like, you're wrong. I meant like, I'm wrong. But I pointed at him. So it looked like I was going, you're wrong. Yeah. I was just sat there going, oh, shit, what have I done? Um, and it just like, the audition just spiraled from there. It just got worse and worse as it went on. I couldn't, I couldn't get past the first line of the song. Um, and my cousins are we like pissed ourselves laughing throughout the entire thing. Um, but I ended up getting a part in it, but yeah. it was just doing like chorus parts. Um, I really enjoyed it, even though I tried to leave the youth group a couple of times because I really didn't want to be a part of it. But again, pushy mother and was having no no part of it and my life was not my own um which i'm glad of now yeah other time <laughs> other time when you're 16 and you just want to go out yeah yeah okay, but, but i can imagine in hindsight you know it's looking back <laughs> yeah. yeah hindsight is is a wonderful thing but at the time i was just like i didn't see see the point of it um because I didn't want to do musicals or anything like that. Now, if someone offered me a musical, I'd be like, well, yes, come on then, I'll give it a go. I'm not even the best singer, but I'll be like, fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, with hindsight, I'm glad that she she pushed me um, and then pushed me to go for like drama school and stuff, stuff like that. But I didn't have a clue what any of the drama schools were. So... Yeah. I went to, like, it took me three years to to get onto a course. Um, but the, yeah, three three years to get, to get onto a course, three years of auditioning. And in my first year, there was a guy, there's an actor called Alan David on my, um, on my panel. And he didn't let, let me through. And I'll be honest, I was absolutely shit that first year. I was trying to do, like, a Cockney accent really badly. Yeah. Um, it was dreadful beyond. Um, second year I went back. I was a little bit better. Um, because I'd gone down to like go sign on college and got got better at what I wanted to do. I still didn't get on, but I got through to a second round of uh RADA of the Royal Academy, darling. Mm. Um, and um, the Alan David from Mercer was on my panel again, and I didn't get through again. And I was like, ah, oh, bloody hell, it must just be this guy. He just doesn't want me to get through. He's seen that I'm from Merthyr, and maybe he just hates Merthyr. Um, third year, auditioning, managed to get through to a fourth round, which is the fourth and final round of RADA. And who shows up on my panel again? Alan David. Mm-hmm. And I'm stood there going, ah, oh, shit. This guy hates me. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. Um, but I did make it. Um, and I had a really good chat with him about it like years later. And I think that he just saw that I'd improved so much over those years that by the time I got to like the third year, he could see how hard I'd, I'd worked. Mm. Um, and I ended up having my first job with him actually, uh, which was like a, an R&D um, on the Gareth Thomas play, oh. um, which is basically just hanging out with Gareth Thomas for a week, just passing a rugby ball. It was bloody brilliant. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed working with with Alan. I haven't, I haven't seen him since, which is which is a shame because I really really hold him in in high high regard. He's a great guy. So, what was it like when you actually, you know, after um, those setbacks, when you finally did get into the drama school? How did it um, progress from there? Um, so, drama school is a really weird place. Like, I don't know if I enjoyed it that much. I think that, like, mental health-wise, I think it messed with me a little bit. Um, and, like, I, I still do talks to people who are trying to go to drama school and stuff, and I'm just like, they're going to, you know, there they will be factors of them trying to mould you into 
an actor and stuff and stuff like that but then there's other things that kind of mess with your head like I showed up and I was probably I was like this 13 stone kind of like rugby playing boy and everyone else was quite skinny in my year or at least that was the way that I perceived it um so then when it got to like my third year of having to like do shows and like you know you're trying to get an agent and all and all that stuff I like starved myself and went down to probably 11 and a half and for my frame that just didn't suit me I was ridiculously skinny um but yeah so it took it took me a bit of time to actually find who who I was after that but I still I still had a good time there like you know I still learned a lot there um voice wise it was it was brilliant even though I know that people could be listening to my voice now going his voice is shit um (laughs) yeah voice was good um like I I got to work with some really really fantastic people that you know that I'd, I'd love i'd love to work with again but you know they're not fucking calling me what's going on yeah <laughs> <laughs> this might be a very stupid question but what actually happens in a drama school is i know nothing about it really right so like we've just spoken about you doing uni before we we started this like um i know nothing about uni i'd like I've spoken to my fiance about it and she said that she had something like nine hours a week. Yeah. Um, we, <laughs> we had like more than nine hours a day. Um, oh, wow. So we, yeah. we'd be in at we'd be in at nine to then finish by six. Um, and we'd have lessons throughout, throughout the entire day. Um, and that would be five days a week. And then some days you'd have to come in on a Saturday because you needed to do an extra bit of work or you needed to do this, that, or the other. So for three years, it's kind of all consuming and you don't, and they don't have like outside clubs or they don't have. So like, I thought that, you know, I'd go up and maybe there'd be like a rugby club that I could join. Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't, I didn't even have time. I like, I wouldn't have been able to have gone training or anything. So it was just like, it was pointless. Um, God, I miss rugby. Um, because I still I still don't don't play. Um oh, I miss it. Um but yeah, it's just it's a really weird experience because you get to know you get to know all of these people that were complete strangers to you. And like now I don't I don't see that many of them. And then but then I meet up with them every once in a while. And you're just like there's just moments where it crosses my mind. I'm just like, I know really intimate things about this person because you've just, you've shared them over, over those, those three years, you kind of share really intimate details about about yourselves um, and kind of put yourself into really ridiculous predicaments because it's about kind of getting rid of that, that shame or kind of embarrassment of being up in front of people and doing stuff. So you just kind of, I can get up in front of a room of people and do whatever really because they've kind of knocked the shame out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. That might be a really terrible, terrible thing. Well, you know. Yeah. So was that a challenge at the start, particularly, you know, when you're with all these virtual strangers? Yeah. Yeah. How was that? You... I found it strange. I found it strange that I, I was, I was quite shy meeting new new people, yeah. and then I think on the second day we had a movement lesson where we had to wear tights for movement, and you know, kind of ev- everything's on show, yeah. and you know, you know what I mean by that, yeah. And you're Absolutely. kind of like sharing a room with people, and you know that you've never met, and you're walking around in tights which just felt really alien to me. Um, now you can smack a pair of tights on me and I'm really, really comfortable. It's bloody wonderful. It's freeing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's the weirdest, weirdest experience. I, yeah, you've got, you've got to be a little bit tapped to, to want to do the kind of acting thing, to do any sort of performance thing. I think, I think you've got to have a bit of a screw loose. Um, but it's got to be a fun screw. It can't be a 
can can be mentally deranged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as obviously it's not the most um, expected career choice. You know, it's not the most obvious. No, no. And like you, you still get people like I still, I still get people saying, "Oh, so you know, when 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 we're going to see one EastEnders then?" Like, never. Yeah. <laughs> when have they? When have they ever wanted a Welshman? You know. Um, yeah, true. Actually, yeah. <laughs> it's a really, it's a really odd thing. It's um, I think that so I've had, like you know I've had successes and stuff stuff like that, which I think have kind of shown that this is a legitimate career but then i think some people still don't fully believe that it is you know um yeah especially when like i left drama school and i didn't work for a year like i moved back to mercer i was working the early shift at marks and spencer and just stacking shelves and stuff which was you know it, it was testing when you've just trained for three years to do a thing and then you're not allowed to do the thing yeah and then people are asking you what what are you up to and you're like i'm uh i'm on fruit and veg <laughs> yeah <laughs> but from what i gather that is quite common for actors you know yeah. that you will go through years months years with no work at all yeah even even the most successful actors will have periods where they don't work um unless there's some kind of some kind of anomaly um but yeah it's i i think sometimes it's about momentum and sometimes you kind of build that momentum and yeah. you know you can get more and more work um and sometimes it's just potluck like it's it's a it's a really weird it's a really weird industry um yeah it's a really weird industry i, I don't know how else to describe it i love it and i hate it at the same time yeah yeah, absolutely. So after leaving drama school and working at Martha Spencer's back home, what was your first um, appearance there? Was it on stage, screen? What happened next in your acting career? First, first thing I did um, was a first proper thing I did was an a show called Crimson Field, where I played a soldier who had like a like a bit of shrapnel had gone through his leg. Yeah. So he had like this massive hole in, in his thigh. Um, and I was in this World War One field ho- hospital. It was for the BBC. It was, it was class. Um, but I was only there for like two days and I was quite featured in this, in this e- episode. But the first, I basically found out that I got the job on the Tuesday. Um, on the Wednesday, I had a call saying that I needed to be in Bristol on the Thursday, and could I shave one of my legs? And they didn't mind which leg. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so then made my way to Bristol, and it was for um, it was for them to do a prosthetic of my leg so that they could oh, yeah. put a hole in it. Um, and so I had to shave my leg the night before, and I've never shaved my leg um, or legs. I've got more. One, um, <laughs> the um, I shaved it, and it was just like just looking in the bath. It was just like hair and blood everywhere because, like, I had scabs going up my shins, and I showed I showed up and like saw the the guys that were doing it, like this prosthetics team, and they were just looking at me. They were like, "You've made a you've made a fucking hash of this. Like, it looks yeah. awful. It looks like you've hacked yourself with with an axe." Um, but yeah, they they like put a thing on me, and then I had to lie there for most of the day in this cold field hospital, um, with them like pumping blood out of my leg, and I'm looking at my own toes, going, "That's that's my foot," and I can't move it. And so yeah. as the day was going on, I was starting to freak myself out more and more because my real leg was under like a board, and yeah. I've got this leg that looks like my leg but isn't my leg attached to my attached to my hip yeah and it was just, it was just the weirdest experience like i really started to freak out um yeah not pleasant not pleasant but a really good job really yeah. good job yeah i was like that's that's why i love doing these interviews i would never expect that story about no. him lying there with 
speed perspective leg that's brilliant but obviously it's very you know it's a weird and wonderful you, you could call it yeah yeah it was just, it was oh, it was just strange it's just strange because like they've done such a good good job that like you know they would even like little hairs in in the foot and stuff and stuff like that and it just looked so real that i i yeah i hate feet though Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> just like looking at my own foot I don't tend to do that very often but it was it was strange it was really oh. strange really strange yeah. and so obviously started off in, in World War One but wasn't the last time you played a soldier as if we fast forward to well now in the recent years you, you were playing Jackson in the, my favourite programme of all time Our Girl which I absolutely love. Do you really? Yeah, I absolutely love it. It's like I've watched every series more times than I would like to admit on air. Oh, so you, so, so I'm guessing you, you part of like the art, the art girl army and stuff and stuff like that. I am on the Facebook page. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. I am. They're a, they're a, they're an absolutely fantastic bunch, though. Like I. I've never kind of like experienced the 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 super fandom until yeah. our girl, and they're just the most wonderful, wonderful people. Like you know, they'll send messages and stuff and stuff like that, and they're just really, really lovely. Um, and especially this this series that's just gone past, um, I was really proud of it because I thought that we did some really good work. Oh yeah. Um, but there was oh, there was a scene. There was a scene in it. Um, so there's a scene with me and Ben Bat, who plays Blue. And we've got Spanner, Mark Armstrong, driving behind us on a bike. And we're in, in the car. And it's when we ram the back of the truck. And all these guys fall off the back, the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. And initially, leading up to that point, we'd been sing- I'd been singing a song. Um, and so we have this, we have this section, which was like, bringing guns around and we were like shooting and it was like it was to be fair we looked cool as hell um I was really happy with it um because we were like high-fiving as we got got out of the car um we're so lame we're really lame um but, <laughs> uh, don't don't like don't say that to anyone um too late it's on a podcast yeah, I'll cut um, that bit out <laughs> 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 um but we originally they had a singing a song which was um uh, what was the name of the song? Ah, oh, no, it's gone out of my head. Um, Big Spender. Yeah, <laughs> they had a singing Big Spender, yeah. um, which I was always pitching just a little bit too high. I thought I thought that I could reach reach the notes, and I had to pitch it just a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were we were meant to be doing this sequence, these shooting. So we'd done like, hey, big spender, spend a little time with me. And then bang, crashed in, into the back of the car. And then the next bit, when we're like shooting um, the, the uh, bad guys and mm. take, taking them out, it was meant to be, wouldn't you like to have fun, bang, bang, fun, bang, bang. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> it was all timed as singing to the shooting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they had to cut it in in the end because the um, I think that it it it, it looked like it was um, glorifying violence a bit oh, too right. much, yeah. um, which which is obviously completely fair. Like I get yeah. that completely, yeah. um, but it was just it was just such such a shame because on on set it was really fun, um, yeah. it was really fun, um, but. Even though that bit didn't make it in, I was really happy with like the the kind of hooded reveal, and then that scene with the, oh, yeah. the shooting and the the squib, and it was just that was that was really really cool because our we had Steve Arman, who's our um uh our military advisor on it, who's this really really cool guy, really cool guy. I hope he listens to this mm-hmm. so that he knows that I think he's a cool guy. Um, but he he said that that was that was one of the best things that he'd seen shot over 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 the series. Like he 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 was really proud of it because he'd obviously taken me through what I needed to do. Um, 
and you know help to to train us uh for it but when the squib because like they put a squib in my shoulder and i'd never had a squib before mm. which is just like this little thing with i think with a little bit of uh explosiveness in it which then like shoots blood fake blood out yeah um and i was assured that it was very very safe um and i'm sure that it would have been very very safe but it was just like it was packed up like really really tightly and like it was like this little lump in my shoulder and i was like okay here we go and so we've done like bang 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 and the guy was just like when it goes off try not to overreact but like you know just let your like let it take it down take take you down to, to the floors if you've been shot and so doing the sequence that so we've done a couple of times up until this point but we're doing it with a squib this time this is our only time being able to do it with a squib so it needs to be right yeah. and so hood comes off elbow the one guy shoot number one shoot number two shoot number three bring it round and it, it was as i was bringing it around that i went oh shit the squib and as i went the squib in my head the squib went off like the blood smacked me in the jaw and yeah. like it just naturally took took me down to to, to the floor because it was just like it was like someone had punched me in the face yeah. um and it turned out that they'd cut cut my face a little bit on my jawline because it had just it had just caught me flush it just caught me just right yeah. um but it was ah uh, it was mental it was it was a good good time it was a really good time yeah. i enjoyed it i remember watching that scene for the first time and my first thought was after losing smurf in series one if they kill off another welsh character then there's something wrong there <laughs> yeah yeah uh good old tony though you wouldn't do that no, so you can't lose the only two Welsh ones in the whole <laughs> four series. That would have been tragic. That would have been really tragic. Yeah, I'm a bit gutted that it's not coming coming back actually. But you know, yeah. I think that I think that it's probably it's it's ended on a on a good note. I think. Um, yeah. yeah, it's good. Yeah, definitely. And I asked the same question to Mark Armstrong, but how did you actually get your part on Our Girl? So, uh, got an audition through from my agent, showed up to BBC Studios in mid avail I think it was, um, and they went in with the with the casting team, and I think that Tony was there. I can't fully remember. Like, like my brain has kind of blocked it out because I really don't think it was a good audition because they said um, they said that we needed to improvise and they're going to do like an improvised in interview <laughs> i thought okay okay i think i like i've done enough research about soldiers that i should know what i'm doing but then when you get in the room it's a completely different thing like yeah. it just i don't know what the fuck is going to come out of my mouth and so there was talk it was talking about joining special forces and they were like how long have you been in the army i was like two years and it was just like it was, it was only because it was the first number had come come to, to my head and they were like that feels a bit soon i was like well i am ready yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely like spewing bullshit um but i then i i literally left left that room i called i called my called my missus first and I was just like I am not getting that that was absolutely terrible it was just yeah. dreadful um but then got a call like maybe two weeks later saying that I got I got the part um and then we had to go through like the the basic training with Nigel and Rog and and all of these guys which was just like a boot camp for one week in Britain where it was pissing down and then a boot camp in South Africa for a week where it was so hot and we had all, all this gear on and we're kind of making our way through uh through kind of like weird parts of South Africa. Um and by that point I'd grown like this 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 wisp of a beard um having never grown hair on my face before or since because I hated it so much like I couldn't stand have having a beard and then I'm stood next to Mark who's yeah. got like this absolute bush of a beard that is like admired by all of the Argyll fandom. They absolutely love it. 
Um, I've not heard anyone say lovely things about my beard, and it's probably for the right reasons because it was like it was a proper ginger thing. It was it wasn't it wasn't the most attractive thing so far. So I made sure for the second season that I didn't have that. Um, yeah. There's no chance. Um, baby faced, baby faced assassin. Um, and yeah, it was only when we had the screening then that I spoke to. I spoke to the casting director. I spoke to to Wayne Lynch, and and it was actually um, my fiance who said um, she she was like, "Why did you why did you cast him?" And apparently Wayne said, "Oh well, you know, it, it was the eyes. Apparently with, with those eyes, I just I just looked like I I could kill someone." Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is you know I'm I'm putting that down to down to uh, a kind of merciless day that I think that we all into. Yeah. The Vela. That's that's what I'm gonna say. Even as a boy who's never had a fight in his life, I'm just gonna say that that's probably yeah. Just learned how to how to do a good stay. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that is something you learn in Mer- I worked in McDonald's in Merth for two years and I had a lot of the Merth stays. So yeah, that is a real thing. <laughs> yeah, it is a real thing. It is a real thing. Uh, what was it like, you know, to film in South Africa on a set like this? Well, obviously, you mentioned the heat, but that's a feels like a world away from Merthyr, particularly. Oh yeah, it is. It is. But it, like, it was, it was really, really enjoyable, especially the second time around. I, I like it was the set. The second time around was really cool because me, Ben, and Mark got on so so well. Like, like we were just, you know. We were a proper proper team um and we just clicked really really yeah. well um but everyone's really nice out there and it was just like you know from our driver pumsy to like people on set to like it was just the most lovely lovely experience and just like you know we'd get up early we'd we'd get up at six o'clock in in the morning go and train for 45 minutes and then like shower and do whatever we needed to do in quarter of an hour to be ready to be picked up by seven and then we'd go and and film um and there could be days when we'd show up on on set and there'd be nothing for us to do for hours and hours and hours we just pass a rugby ball around and it was just like it's a really fun set to be a part of like everyone's really really nice um yeah it's cool it's really really cool um and it's nice to see like the work that people produce as well and the different ways that people work. Um, but South Africa is just, it's banging, it's banging. Like if you, if you can ever go to, if you can ever go to Cape Town, just go. The food's amazing. Um, we went to watch the Stormers play rugby a couple of times, which was like dream come true for me because I just, I love rugby probably beyond anything else except for my family and being Welsh. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool place. Really cool place. Yeah. I don't want to do this, but because we talk about rugby, what's happened in the Six Nations this year? I watched Wales and France with my English flatmates, and it was quite embarrassing. I was abysmal. It's abysmal. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. Ah, oh, because like I'm kind of torn with like people saying that there's a. So there's people saying that, like, of obviously Wayne Pivak's come in, yeah, and he's gonna need time to kind of establish what he wants to do. But then you you also need results, yeah. and and we lost to Scotland the other day, and I I just don't think, yeah, I just don't think that we should be. And then, yeah, it's it's just a really weird time. Welsh, Welsh rugby because nothing's really changed does it like you know we're, no. we're still the same team it's just the coaching's changed so you just kind of go what, what, what what's going wrong um yeah. yeah I think I think when when we played Scotland we really missed Justin Tipperick um oh, yeah. Definitely. but he's my favorite player ever uh yeah. I I absolutely love 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 Tipperick I I I think that he's he's a rugby god um, and probably the best seven in the world. I'm going to throw, throw that out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of anyone better than him in his position at all. No, no. 
but I think I think I think that everyone likes uh, a lot of people like the kind of bulkier number seven that's like you know a bit more powerhouse. But I think that just the way that Justin Tipperick plays is like, yeah, tips is tips is the best. Yeah, yeah, yes. But it's annoying, but particularly against France, we had a very experienced team out, a very experienced yeah. team, and it just. It's an, I hate watching Wales lose in England as well. That's like one of the worst feelings in the world, sat in an English city with my English flatmates watching my beloved Wales lose. Yeah. Yeah, it's never fun. It's never fun. No. My first my first match... My first match when I was at... Or my first match going out to, to watch it with people from drama school was Wales, Wales England. Yeah. And that wasn't a fun experience and it was me and my flatmate sat at the front of the pub watching the screen and being like absolutely devastated that we'd lost and um i can remember just english fans singing um swing low at us and so my friend got up on a chair and i held her up as we started singing where they could shove the chariot Oh, the, the classic song. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what? It was all it was all done in good spirit as well. Like there was no. Oh yeah. Everyone had a drink after that. It was all done in like there was no there was no animosity or anything. Like you know, it, everyone was a good good bunch. Um, even though we got up and sang that song, oh my god, we should have been we should have been battered. Yeah, but that's just the difference between rugby fans and football fans. Yeah. 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 That's why. That's yeah, why rugby is a, a more... superior sport. Yes. I've never played it, but I being Welsh, I have to love it. So Yes. I think it. I think that you you're born. You're born loving it. <laughs> yeah. Uh you are. So now that we got that out of the way, but I needed someone else Welsh to moan about Wales too, as it's been a long few weeks with <laughs> being here. But now something I want to talk about is the film you're in Moon Dogs. Yes. I've not watched it, but I've That's watched it. enough clips to really want to watch it, but I can't find it anywhere. I've even looked on Music Magpie and I still can't find a DVD. Um, it's every once in a while it makes a little appearance on BBC Scotland, and so it's on iPlayer for like a month then. Yeah. Um so I'll I'll let I'll let you know when it's on. Um but it's basically a road trip movie that is uh about two stepbrothers trying to make their way from Shetland, which is probably the most northern point of Scotland. I think it's closer to Norway. Um, oh, wow. And uh, and it's got a really like Nordic feel to it. And then you, they travel down to to Glasgow by any means necessary, and they meet uh, this kind of manic pixie dream girl of a character, um, uh, Caitlin. Kathleen, um, who then opens up the world a little bit, um, and then you find out why. Uh, so it's mainly because my character wants to go down to Scotland to get his girlfriend back, um, and then he finds out that his brother's actually going down to to see his mother, um, who he's never met. Um, it's quite it's quite a funny it's it's a funny film, and then it's quite touching in places and. I think that Phil John, the director, would want me to describe it as a cool film as well. But I, my character is definitely not cool, so in my head, it's just funny. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that's all that matters is what I think about it. <laughs> yeah. but, but of course, it was a very successful film. You know, at different awards, it did win a lot. Like for yourself, you got the um, a best actor award for the. Cumbry BAFTA, isn't it? So, yeah, so I won uh, Best Actor at BAFTA Cymru and at the Newport Beach Film Festival yeah. in California as well, which was really, which was really mental. I was just like on on the tube and I had a, a, a tweet come through saying that I'd won, and I was like, ah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was like. It was, it was just like really, really awesome, but it felt kind of underwhelming that I wasn't there to kind of 
you know do the do the actually thing of of accepting my my award but um they were just really nice to kind of send me my my laurels and ev- and everything so we've got that up on on the wall because i'd never won anything for for acting before um so that was a really lovely lovely thing yeah yeah, yeah. It, it did seem like i've looked at a lot of the reviews for the film and it seemed like Everywhere, particularly your character, was very r- relatable to the audience, and everyone seemed to very much enjoy it in that sense. That it was well, all three of the lead actors it said that are very re- relatable. Yeah, um, yeah, we. I feel I feel as if the audience would probably watch the story through my character's eyes, but like, really, you would want to be one of the other characters, you know. Yeah, I right. I think yeah. that you you look at it and you go, I'm that guy, but I want to be that guy, um, because uh, Christy O'Donnell and Tara Lee in the film are just really really cool, and then I was the, uh, I was I was the idiot in it, but it's it's just one of those things that I they they were both twenty when when we filmed it, and I was twenty six, but playing the same age, um, as them. And I think that because I'd had enough distance from my teens at that point that I didn't mind making a complete arse of myself for the film. Because um, I just had all these memories of being a complete arse as a teenager. And I'd been able to let that go, which is quite nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that Phil, Phil John said that I've got a, a remarkable ability to make a twat of myself. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that if that translates into good acting, but that was that was what what happened. But it was it was my first major role, it was my first kind of like proper character that I got to play, and it was it was it was probably the best time I think I think I've I've had on on set. It was it was brilliant. I was in every single day working hard, and I I love that stuff. I absolutely love it. Um, but there's some really cool scenes in there. Um, yeah, I, I I could talk about it like and fill up an entire podcast about it, but I, I think that would just be boring. Yeah. Boring as fuck. <laughs> well, no, but it did. I, I watched the trailers. I watched as many clips as I could find, and it made me really want to watch it. Some parts you're laughing, some parts you're getting threatened with a hammer, particularly for your character, so... Yeah, I go through I go through a kind of full <laughs> I go through a full range of emotions that I didn't fully realize at the time. Um but it was just yeah, I got to like fall into water um which I considered a stunt and then was wound up by everyone because they were just like you fall a foot into water. It's not exactly, you know, you're not exactly Tom Cruise, yeah. but I will take it. Um which then reminds me of a story from um, Our Girl Season 1 because there was a scene where we as special forces needed to scale a wall. Yeah. And when we, in the first, oh, shit. When I showed up on set that day, I looked at the sides and it said that Elvis and Spunky were going up, up the wall. And I was like, all oh, right, so I've got nothing to do this morning I've just got to kind of like crawl through crawl crawl through the dirt a bit and then I get to sit sit out. Um I then get a knock on, on my tra- trailer door and it's the director saying, um, so the stunt men have been trying to go up the wall and they can't do it with just two of them. So we've decided you're going up the wall. I was like, oh <laughs> great. That's nice. I was like, where's where's my fucking stunt man? Uh, <laughs> so then I then had to go on set and kind of like figure out this bit with these, with these stunties and kind of like work out how to get up the wall. And one of the stunt guys was like a parkour runner. So, and he was playing Elvis. And so he, he just shot up up the wall. We kind of like helped him up and he just launched up, up this wall. I then had to step away and jump off the guy who was playing spunky i had to jump off his leg to then grab onto um elvis's hand and pull pull myself up but whenever i jump onto the guy who's playing spunky i jump i jump onto his leg his leg would buckle a little bit yeah 
Dwight, I couldn't quite get the traction to get get up, and so whereas Elvis looked cool as hell, um, jumping up up that wall, I looked like I really really struggled to get up there. But I did do the stunt myself, so yeah. that's why I'm happy about it. That's why I'm bringing it up, even though it was a struggle. Yeah, <laughs> it's still um, a, a stunt to take off. Yes, it's a stunt to take off. I can say that I I do my own stunt. If we could do a full circle, Pratt, and bring it back to Wales, you also um, got the part as Luke in the S4C drama or police drama, Bang as well, which I do like a Welsh police drama. I've not watched Bang yet, but I've watched like Hinterland and stuff like that. So I am working my way onto it. Right. It's good. It's really good. It's directed by Phil John again, who did uh, Moon Dogs. Uh, we've done two seasons of it, and it's basically about um, uh, a brother who's a bit of an, a no good, a sister who uh, works for the police, um, and the brother finds a gun, and how that kind of plays out, and all the kind of stories that are tied to this to this gun. Um, and I play one of the police officers in it, Luke Lloyd. Um, who is the sister's police partner. Um, I think it's a really cool series because it's bilingual. So it's in Welsh and English. Uh, but whereas usually, so with like Hinterland, Keeping Faith, uh, I think Hidden as well, Christ, uh, they, they film an episode in Welsh and then they'll film an episode in English. So they'll be doing things side, side by side. We're doing it all in one. Um, which is I don't uh, I don't know if that had been done before on S S4C, um, but I'm not gonna say that as fact because I don't know. Um, but it was it's a really cool it's a really cool series and like there's lots of gore in it. It's it's um, it's exciting. Uh, it's gone over to the states as well and like I've had messages of people over, over there that have really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I try to do a lot of kind of Tom Cruise running in it whenever yeah. I get the chance, which is just like straight arm kind of <laughs> straight arm daggers, no bends yeah. at all. Um, trying to run as fast as I can go faster. Um, but it's yeah, it's just it's and it's really like Port Talbot as a place I think gets a bit of a bad rap, oh, but yeah. it. In this, it looks cool as like the way that Phil has shot it, and he shot it with um, uh, Mark Milsom as DOP, and then uh, Bjorn uh, was DOP for the second series. Unfortunately, um, Mark passed away um, uh, short shortly after we filmed Bang, um, which was really tragic. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, really really wonderful had the best energy on on set um but we yeah it it looks absolutely amazing it just makes patel but like look like this incredible incredible landscapes you've got like the steelworks and then you've got the valleys you've got the sea like it's got it's got a bit of everything um but yeah i highly highly recommend it i don't really want to talk about it too much because then i start to give I start to give stuff away about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I just kind of want you to, to watch it. Um, but yeah, I, w- I will say that I got, I got the part. I got the part kind of like maybe three or four weeks before filming started. And I'm a second language Welsh speaker and all, and all that stuff. So I really didn't think that I would. Um, but then get get in the part and then finding out that the character was a bit of a, a a gym freak and at that point I was I wasn't quite I wasn't quite bulky enough I wasn't like in shape so I showed up and I, I probably wasn't in I think I just eaten a lot of bread and tried to like train as much as I could to try and bulk up and yeah. it didn't look its best it was the second time round I just done the I just done the season of our girl and so then got to got to kind of show up in like my our girl shape 
which was really nice because it meant then that I could be like slim and trim and but also like muscular as hell <laughs> um and the writer wrote in a, a topless scene that I was very proud of very proud of and then and then recently Ben Bat uh has put up a a photo of, of himself in like the sickest shape I think I've ever seen anyone and now I'm really jealous and I feel I feel like a bit of a fatty yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't really want to see Ben Bat anymore mm-hmm. um he's done really well and I've got to say that I'm proud of him but I hate him a little bit <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's normal in my eyes and we have covered a lot but I don't want to ask you this but have you got a favorite have you got a highlight at all um no they're all they're all kind of highlights and they've all got highlights for their own for their own reasons you know yeah. like it, it's it's really difficult to pick out which one because like moon dogs would be that was my first film it was you know first time playing a character fully and kind of really getting to work with with people for uh, an extended period of time instead of just showing up for a day here here and there um but then the crown is something that i i feel emotionally is is something that i i think that they just did right um and it was just amazing in my, my eyes um our girl our girl the same i just you know i got to travel the world and have a lot of fun with it um, so yeah i couldn't i couldn't pick a favorite um because there's just loads of it, it, I've, I've had a really nice career so far um and i want to keep adding to that and maybe one day i'll have a favorite but right now i don't yeah and now my final question for you which is the same one i ask everyone is what advice would you give to my listeners where this is mental health rated acting life is what is the best piece of advice you would give to my listeners um best bit of advice i would give to your listeners is in terms of mental health just be i think being yourself is quite good um because that's something that i've struggled with um in terms of appearance and how I've presented myself to people and everything like that. I always thought that I had to tone down my Welshness and, you know, try and present a kind of cleaner, cleaner cut image, I suppose. Um, try not to swear. And I swear a lot and I can't help it. It's just, you know, yeah. um, I can, I can help it. I just, I just <laughs> like swearing. Um, but yeah, I think that, be being yourself and actually being true to who who you are is is something where i think that people can find good mental health um and just enjoying those things about yourself um yeah i think that 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 gets i think i think that we talk about changing ourselves and like you know trying to it's constantly this thing about trying to be someone that you're not. And I, I think that if we all just try to be ourselves, then maybe we might be a little bit happier. Um, and don't pay so much attention to social media. I look at social media every once in a while and I can feel myself getting down about it. Cause I'm just like, Oh my God, these people's lives are amazing. And then you think, Oh no, wait, this is just, this is a tailored experience, isn't yeah, it? it? Is what so, we see. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, be yourself, be happy, try and do something every day that makes you laugh. I think laughing's important. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a perfect note to sort of end the show. Really, Jack, it's been an honor to interview. You know, I said it from the beginning. I love interviewing Welsh people. You're from my favorite TV show as well. So it's a win-win. Good. Thank you very much for having me, mate. It's been lovely, Carl. No worries. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Schofield Stories podcast. Without you, my incredible listeners, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. So I hope you know how much your support means to me. Just by tuning in, we are striking the stigma 
surrounded mental health. If you want more, you can find the Schofield Stories on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at thescofieldstories.com. Feel free to drop me an email at the underscore Schofield underscore stories at outlook.com. As always, this episode is brought to you in association with Stop Holding Back, a personal development charity for people who stutter, a charity I'm a part of, which is very close to my heart. So now, all that's left for me to say is thank you for listening. I hope to speak to you again on another episode of the Schofield Stories. Goodbye for now. I'm